All right, C12. Yeah, y'all can go around the side. There's more chairs. Fill in. This is a good problem to have. I like this. So y'all doing good so far? Besides, like, who's sweaty in the room? <laughs> hey, I did say tonight was the start of summer. So maybe if y'all, if there's a way to fix that in the back, fix it. If not, well, you're welcome. Um, now, I am very excited about what we're going to jump into in this series. As you can see, we are going to have a new series on worship. And what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is going to be why we worship, when we worship, how we worship, and then tonight we're going to focus on what is worship. Now, of all the teachings that I get to do, I enjoy teaching on worship more than any of them because it is something core to me. It's something culturally that we all get to experience here at C12. It's something we are trying to build. And I think it's something that is ultimately core for all of us and understanding what worship is, understanding how to do it, and understanding why we do it. So I want to start off asking a question, and I want some interaction. I need some feedback. You can, you can respond. The question is this. I want you to tell me a place, an environment, a gathering, a moment when you were with a bunch of people, and you collectively cheered for something. And if you say Roll Tide, sweet mercy, I will. Bro. I, I know, it was. But that's why I called you out. Now you can't say it. So I want, tell me, what is a moment when you were collectively with a bunch of people and you all cheered for something? Like, I mean, all right, yeah, so he said Buckeyes. What's another? The Women of Freedom Group. All right. That's a, you know, that's a good answer. All right, what else? What's another time? Anyone, raise, just raise your hand and tell me. When Hassan got baptized. When what? When Hassan got baptized. Yes, we did. Okay, what's, what's another? Something else. When you and a bunch of people collectively cheered. When you're, <laughs> when my family found out that I had a girlfriend, that's, hey, I'll cheer for that. All right, anyone else? Give me some, someone, raise your hand. What's the time that you and a bunch of people collectively cheer for something? In the back? At a concert. How many of you have ever been to a concert before? Yeah, we got, we like, they love, yes, that's right, Okay. What's another time? Give me something else. We got sporting events. We got girlfriends. Graduation. Anybody just graduate in the room? You should cheer for it. Good. All right. Let's see. Any anything? What? What you got? When Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts have new coffee, multiple collective people cheer together for that. I'm not okay. I I'll take your word for it. Yes. New Year's. That's another good one. Uh, who likes New Year's? New Year's is fun, yes? At a wedding, that's right, which all of you one day would like to do. It's a lot of fun, I promise. Um, now, here's, here's the thing. Everything that you just named, if you think about you in those moments, you think about being with those people. For me, the one that I thought of is not Roll Tide, but being in Sanford Stadium in Athens on a Saturday in the fall... Oh, man, like October 4th when Alabama comes there. I don't know the date. I'm just saying maybe it's like October 4th because maybe we're going to show you what's up. But in all of those moments, what you're ultimately doing, Macy, I'm going to move that because it's like, eight, oh, good grief, OCD kid, I can't handle it. All of those moments, everyone that you just described, a concert, a wedding, a graduation, a game, all of them, what you are doing is worship. What you are doing in those moments when you are collectively cheering for something is worship. 
And that's because worship is this. Worship is the act of lifting someone or something up with reverent adoration. It's not necessarily that your heart is in it, but worship at the core is lifting someone or something up in reverent adoration. And this can be any number of things. For some of you, it like in a bad way, it could be a boy or a girl. For some of you, it could be a band at a concert. For some of you, it could be an actor or an actress or a show or something that you just are so enthralled with. Sometimes it can be your friends. It can be your job. It can be a team like 90,000 people on a Saturday in Athens do. How many times have you ever seen 90,000 people gather to worship Jesus in the same way? That's all I'm saying. It's worship. You collectively come together in reverent adoration for something. It can be an idea. It can be your future, something that you desire to do. And here's the deal. It can be yourself. You can worship yourself. You can lift up someone or something with reverent adoration, and that can be yourself. But what I want you to understand tonight is as we talk about what is worship, a lot of times we can confuse that word. We can limit the word worship to what we just experienced. And worship, y'all, do y'all enjoy doing worship at C12? Yes, it's fun. We get after it, and it's incredible. But here's the thing. Worship is not just what we just experienced. It's not only music. It's not only a song. And so there is one point in your bulletin tonight, and it is the main thing you need to understand before we jump into this entire series, is that worship is a lifestyle, not just a song. When we talk about worship, what we're talking about is that it is a lifestyle, not just a song. It's something that you do every single day, and you do it, whether you know it or not, every single day. It's a lifestyle. It's something you live. It's something that you breathe. It's within your heart. It's something that you do. It's not just singing songs. Now, that may be the the primary way that when we come to church, when we collectively come together to, to, to be in the presence of Jesus, that may be the collective way that we do that most is through song. And it's a great thing, and we should, and we do it every single week. We're building a culture of that here in this place, an expectation, because that invites the Holy Spirit in. It, it sets our hearts towards Him. It lifts Him up. But it's much more than a song. It's a lifestyle. And we can get that confused. So what I want to do tonight is I want to show you what I mean. So we're going to have some fun. And if, by the way, if you have no idea why I'm dressed like this, yes, we're all wearing blue, but I figure no matter what I say, no matter how profound it is tonight, you're going to remember at least the fact that I look like this. So just associate whatever I say with this mental image, and you're welcome. And if you're wondering, no, I'm not a Dodgers fan. I wish they would lose every single possible game that they could possibly play. But it's my jersey from when I was in fifth grade, so thrift store. But it's really mine. And yes, fifth grade. I was a big kid. (laughs) So here's what I want to show you. We're going to have some fun. Now, this little thing right here is a chair. And we're in the middle of this room. And this is so much fun. You're like, what the crap is he doing? You're going to see. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that this is your room. Who would like to have this as like size of a room for your own, right? Girls are like, can I have a closet this big? And I get it. All that's just shoes, right, for days. I see. Now, I want you to think about this as your room. And in this room, it's your room, 
Your name is on the door. Your full name is on the door in this room. And everything that makes you who you are is in this room. Your accolades, your athletic ability, your academics, your dreams, your future, your hopes, your past, your family, your baggage, everything you've messed up in, everything you've done wrong, everything you want to be, everything you don't want to be, everything that you would have in your mind that is your life, all of that, everything that makes you you is in this room. So let's have some examples. Tell me one thing, if you could have this as your room, just dream for a second. What's one thing you'd put in this room? What? You would have that as a TV? That's a great call. I would, I am, we're friends. Someone else, what would you do? What would you put, if this was your room, dream for a second. Be a bit, he would have a jacuzzi, see? It's a smart man. What would you do? She would have an aquarium. Just off your, an aquarium, okay. A trampoline. I don't even, all right. Hey, there's a beach ball up there. That's from us last week. <laughs> Who else? You'd have a fireplace in your room. What would you have? A trampoline. You could, a trampoline bed? I don't, I'm, hey, y'all can, two doubles. Yes? A king-sized pool. All right, man. Hey, I see you. He's swimming laps. He's swimming laps. Somebody, what would you have? A dance studio. All to yourself. Just you. Okay, I get it. Who, one, give me one more thing. What's something? Yes. A what? A zip line. Just a 20-foot zip line. Whee! I'm done. That was awesome. Through the trees of nothing. That's great. That's awesome. All right, last one. JoJo, you got one in the back. You would have a foam pit. Who would like to have a foam pit in their room? Awesome, awesome. So that you don't break your neck when you do dumb stuff? I get it, I get it. Now here's what I want you to understand. You just explained everything you'd want in your room, all the things you would build in this room to make you happy, to make you excited, to make you want to live here. But the truth is, there's one thing in this room that none of you mentioned that every one of you have. There's one, and it's not, it, it's not any of you, because this is your room. It has your name on it. No one else is allowed. No girl's allowed, right? This is your room. <laughs> Unless you're a girl, because then it's your, your room. Here's what I want you to see, though. There's one thing in this room that every one of you have. A chair. But not any kind of chair. A throne. And this is a, uh, as good as I could come up with for a throne. And on this throne, it sits in the middle of your room. This is your room. It has your name on it. And there's a throne in the middle of your room. Every one of you have this. And the thing I want you to understand is, whatever you give the most attention, affection, adoration, whatever you give the most time to, whatever your mind focuses on the most, what you're doing is you are putting that thing on this throne. And it's sitting above everything else in your room. It's getting all of your attention. It's the center. And it's, in your, it's on your throne. And every one of you have this. Whether you know Jesus or you don't. Whether you're like, I don't even know why I'm here tonight. Awesome. You still have a throne. Every person alive has a throne. And whatever you give the most attention, most affection, the most adoration to is what you put on that throne. And what you have to understand tonight 
is that if there is anything on that throne besides Jesus, it's sin. By definition, that is called idolatry, and you're living in sin. If anything is above Jesus in your life, it's sin. And and remember, this can be a team. It can be a boy or a girl. It can be a relationship. It can be an idea of a relationship. That's what it was for me. When I was your age, I was 22 years old, and the girl that I was in love with left. And I was a wreck. And the problem was, I wanted a wife more than I wanted God. My idea of what I wanted became an idol. I thought I needed something more than God. It became an idol in my life. It was sin in my life. Even if I wasn't aware of it at the time, because it was probably there since I was about 14. started praying for my wife when I was 14 years old. I was weird. And I would ask my dad, like, Dad, is this, like, this has got to be weird, right? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I've, the only girl I ever dated is your mom. I don't know. Like, well, thanks, Dad. You're a lot of help. But as I continued to grow older, I started to realize the thing that I want that's going to give me sustenance, it's going to give me love and joy and peace, the thing that I think is going to be my portion, that I'm not going to be okay unless I have it. I thought it was a wife. And God said, nope, it's me. And you're putting an idea of a wife on a throne instead of me. You're putting a wife above me. And anything you put above God, you're worshiping that thing. Anything that's on your throne is what you're worshiping. Whatever you're giving the most, ati- most time, most affection, most adoration, most attraction, whatever you're giving that to most is on your throne. And if it's anything but God, it's sin. And that's a problem. And so I want to read you something written about this from a guy a lot wiser than me. His name is John Piper. John Piper writes when he talks about sin and really how it interacts with worship. Because we're talking about what is worship. Worship is is lifting someone or something up with reverent adoration. And if it's anything other than Jesus most, it's sin. And so listen to what he says when he talks about this. He says, the Bible defines sin as craving something more than God. Something more than God. Sin is making something more important than God. If you're just religious occasionally, if God is on the outskirts of your life, not on the throne, that is the essence of sin, and that sin grows. Jonathan Edwards says, Sin turns the heart into a fire. Just as there has never been a fire that said, Enough fuel, I'm fine now. So there has never been a sinful heart that said, I have had enough success I've had enough love, I've had enough approval, I've had enough comfort. Oh no, the more fuel you put into that fire, the hotter it burns, and the hotter it burns, the more it needs, the more oxygen it is sucking, and the more fuel it requires. And it's a fire that makes you say, if only I had this, or if only I had them, or him, or her, or that, then, then I'd be okay. Then I would be all right. If only I had a wife, then I'd be all right. 
If only I had this job, if only I had these friends, if only I had these looks, if only I had this brain, if only I had this opportunity, then I'd be all right. It's a pattern that enslaves you. And the secret to freedom from enslaving patterns of sin is worship. You need worship. You need great worship. You need weeping worship. You need glorious worship. You need to sense God's greatness and to be moved by it. Moved to tears and moved to laughter. Moved by who God is and what he has done for you. And this needs to be happening all the time. Did he say only when we sing songs? No. This needs to be happening all the time. This type of worship is the only thing that can replace the little if-only fire burning in your heart. We need a new fire that says, if only I saw the Lord, if only he was close to my heart, if only I could feel him to be as great as I know him to be, if only I could taste his, great, his grace as sweet as I know it to be. And when that if-only fire is burning in your heart, then you are free. And so you see that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is all about your heart, not about your voice. What's going on in here? What's going on in your room? Has your name on it? What are you giving the most attention, the most affection, the most adoration to in your life? What are you giving the most time to? What are you consumed by? What are you giving reverent adoration towards? If the more amount of time that you're giving to whatever it is, is greater than what you're giving to Jesus, in your heart, you're putting it on that throne. And it's idolatry. And it's sin. And the way we fight that is through worship. Through right-sizing what is on the throne. And if you want to live the life that Jesus died for you to live, to be able to live, to free you up to live, then you got to put him on that throne. you got to figure out what it means to wake up and say, I want to be free from this. I want to be free from this addiction. I want to be free from this problem. I want to be free from this sin. And so today, God, I will choose to worship you. I will choose to give you my heart, to give you my all, and to say, today's about you. Thank you for giving me breath. Thank you for waking me up today. When you do that, you start to worship. And the Bible goes on to tell us more about this. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, I'm going to read it to you. Paul says to the people in Corinth, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Don't like leave it there and change it. Don't try to defeat it. Flee from it. Leave. And he continues on in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That is how you put him on the throne. Now let me tell you how you do it. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, the very first thing you do, take a deep breath, and you say thank you. Because God woke you up. See, a lot of times what we do is whenever we play that if-only game and we put something else on that throne, what we're saying is we're not grateful for what we have. We're wishing we had more. I wasn't grateful in that season of my life that I was single. I wanted more. And so that ingratitude became a cancer inside of me. And God said, I want to heal you of that. And the only way to heal you of that is to get rid of it. 
you got to put me first. And so to fight ingratitude, practice gratitude. Here's how you do it. I've told some of you this before. Very simple practice. First and ten. You're like, football? What? Football? No, not football. First and ten. First thing in the morning, take a deep breath and thank God for ten things. Thank God for ten things in your life. That's an act of worship. Thank God for ten things he's given you. Thank God for ten ways he showed up. Thank God for ten people in your life. Thank God for ten things of your future. Thank God for ten things of your past. Thank God for ten ways that he loves you. Thank God for ten ways of who he is. First thing in the morning, thank God for ten things. First and ten. It's a simple way to set the trajectory of your day to say, today I will choose to put you on the throne and I will worship you. So when we talk about what is worship, matter of the heart, much more than the voice, will you choose to worship God with your life? Will you choose to say, listen, God, I, I, I trust you. I believe that you are kind. I believe that you are good. And even when it hurts like hell, even when it's awful and I don't know how to respond, I'm going to choose to worship you. I'm going to put you on the throne. And so next week, we're going to talk about why we worship. Why is it that we put him on the throne? We explained what it is. Well, why do we do it? And then in two weeks, we're talking about when we do it. Because it's not just whenever it's good. It's all the time. It's every breath you have. And then last week, we're going to talk about how we worship. Very practical way of doing it. What I want to do to start July is I want to give us an opportunity to do that with an extended night of worship. And my prayer for you through this series is that you would understand what worship is. That you would walk out of here more mature when it comes to worship. And that as a result of that, you would walk into this place. You'd walk into C12 with an expectation. You'd come in here and it wouldn't take three songs until you're like, man, this is good. You'd come in and you'd be like, the Holy Spirit's here. Let's get after this. Because you put him on the throne all day long. Not just when you walk in here. And when you do this, you live a life of worship. So the question I want to ask you tonight is, what's sitting on your throne? What is it that you've elevated in your life? I pray it's God, but I'd be willing to bet for most of you it's not. That's called idolatry. It's sin. And it's not how you should live. So what's sitting on your throne? And then what are you going to do to get it off the throne? Let me pray for y'all. Father, this, this message, this topic, this, this idea of worshiping you, it comes from a place of, of deep intimacy. Intimacy of knowing you, having experiences of being in your presence, of just being able to say, God, I know who you are, and I know what you've done for me, and so I'm going to give everything back to you. Father, I pray that through this series, you would, you would reveal something deep within each of us here. Yes, it's the start of the summer, and yes, we're going to have an incredible amount of fun as a community, but God, at the heart of all of this is this desire to be in your presence. So, Father, you promise us in James 4.8 that if we would draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. 
So I pray that through our worship with song, that we would collectively draw near to you, that we would seek out your presence, that we would step into these moments and ask, God, what is it that you have for me tonight? And, and are you here? Would you show me that you're here? And God, I pray that for every person in this room that would honestly take a look at their heart, take a look at their room and realize that Jesus isn't on the throne. Father, I pray that every single one of them would have a repenting moment tonight. That they would declare to you that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making my life about this. I'm sorry for making you less important than this. I'm sorry for thinking that I need anything besides you, God. Would you teach me how to live a life of worship? And Father, I pray that through that, you would, you would instill and just be so gracious as to gift to us. Just give us, allow us to experience another step, a deeper step of intimacy with you through our worship, through our songs, through our community. That your Holy Spirit would run free in this place, would run wild as we sing, would do whatever it is that he wants to do in our hearts. And then through that, you would give us the courage and the strength to respond however it is that you're prompting us, however it is that you're asking. So Father, I pray for freedom because freedom's found in you. So may we be freed up to worship you, to not feel like we have to be barricaded to these chairs that we stand in, to not feel like we have to be barricaded to this idea of what people are looking at or, or should I have my hands raised or should I be on my knees or should I sing or I don't know that I can or I don't want to be too loud. God, all of it's just noise. So would you clear out the noise and give us opportunities through this series and tonight to experience the goodness of who you are because you are our loving and kind Father. You never leave us. You love us. So in the name of Jesus, come down and be with us. And Father, I pray that you would unrelentingly go after our hearts and revealing to us what's on our throne. And then collectively, you'd grow us up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both you and with men, just like you did Jesus, and teaching us how to worship. That's my prayer, Father. It's for all of them. So may we be a people that collectively say this and sing this. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.